Welcome back to Hoops HD, everybody, and Happy New Year. It is 2024, and it's time for the, our first Hoops HD report of the year. I'm Chad Sherwood, joined this evening by David Griggs over there, Joby Forza below me, and Matt Sikowski to his side joining us again. Um, our friend John Titel might be jumping in as we go through the show here. He's coming back from the Creighton-Georgetown game tonight, but yeah. uh, we... Got a lot to get to. Sorry, Riggs, go ahead. I was just going to say a little bit of an awkward schedule these last two weeks. Next week, we're stepping in back into our normal routine with Hoops HD report on Monday. It's normal night uh, under the radar Wednesday bracket rundown Thursday. Uh, but this week, um, Chad's going to a game in the OVC tomorrow. So <laughs> I'm going somewhere tomorrow. No, I'm going somewhere yeah. Thursday. So tomorrow, yes, thanks. I'll come at the end of the show. But uh, tonight is Tuesday, January 2nd. For the Hoops HD report, we normally do these on Mondays. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to record both the Under the Radar and a Bracket Rundown show. Beginning next week, this is going to become a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday format, if I'm correct. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Anyhow, let's get right to it here and jump to some standings. Or let's not. Griggs, why don't you fill in for a second here while I try to get the screen to work? Okay. Well, Chad's trying to get the screen to work. Um, <laughs> I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. I know I'm, what, 364 days early. But um, it, it oh it looks like this. <laughs> Let's get going here. Uh, I want to start things over the Big East, especially Matt. You're joining us. You are a Marquette guy, and I believe you were at Saturday's huge Marquette Creighton game, which uh, looked like a game between two of the top teams of the nation. Yes, no, it was a fun game of that. Marquette could hit the broadside of a bar in the first half, but then started turning up the D. I think in the second part of the first half, and then basically kept it out through the second half. Creighton did not enjoy the pressure defense, and that basically turned the game. And then. Some unlikely guys, Sean Jones and Stevie Mitchell, hit some threes. Joplin threw a couple of threes in late to cinch it, and even his first dunk in college. And, of course, then celebrated that and let a layup in, but that's the David Joplin experience for you. And that, but, um, like, big win for Marquette. Creighton still looked like a solid team or that. And that they, I don't think they could be quite what they expected in Malik. I think both Creighton and Andrew Debhard would like that decision over of him leaving and then going to Gonzaga where they're not going to do anything, as we'll preview later. <laughs> yeah, and now we've got uh, we've got Joby Crane did bounce back tonight uh, just before we came on here with with the road win at Georgetown, whatever that might mean. But uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> but as far as the rest of the conference here, I, you know, I, I think we've got you know a, a, a small, maybe a smaller group of, of solid looking tournament teams than we thought we would at this point in the season. Uh, well, I mean, I think, and I, um, I, I came into the season saying it, it would be a four, but kind of a the haves and have not situation, and that still could uh, uh, that still could arise. Uh, we know that UConn and Marquette are going to be competing for one and twos. Villanova, as long as they're not playing some team from the Big Five, they're going to be okay. Any team for the Big Five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but the uh, – and the team that's been surprising, we've talked about Creighton, not quite what we thought. Creighton's had some stub-your-toe moments. But Providence has been a very big surprise um, in my book and solidly a tournament team. I think you will still be looking at half the conference in the tournament, which is more than I actually suspected – and that looks really good when you consider UConn and Marquette are easily in the protected seed range and probably in the one-two line discussion. Yep. Providence still without a true road win, but in this conference, the, the way it's playing out, you go to Georgetown, you go to DePaul, you go to Xavier even, uh, that's probably at least three, which should be enough. I agree with you that they, they do look like a tournament team. Uh, there is another team I kind of want to talk about. We've uh, it, and it's the same one that I keep bringing up. That y you know they've shown signs that they can be, and, and it's this Butler team here. Now this Butler profile is not a tournament profile, but the question I have and continue to ask is: Are they good enough to get the wins they need to to make it a tournament profile? This is a team that went into Providence, who we just got done praising, lost mm -hmm. in overtime, really should have won the game in regulation, uh, played Florida Atlantic really tough. Um, they're at the Johnnies tonight. I, I don't – but again, eventually you got to get the wins. I, I'm still betting that Butler is good enough to get the wins they need to to make this a tournament profile, even though right now it is not – to be honest, Joby, I'll be su surprised if we select them tomorrow. I know we're using your G and G. Uh, where where are they in that? 
So they're reasonably close. Yeah, that sounds. No, no, they're five. They're they're five out. That's that's not ridiculous. That they're only five out. Yeah. Like you said, if they can compile the wins, they got UConn at home in two days. You know, in two games, they win that at UConn yard. The the UConn at home. If they pull that off, they're not just in the field. They are like beyond the bubble in the field for the time being. Well, yeah. and they got the win at the game at St. John's is going on right now as we record this. That's very early there. Yeah, actually, it's it's getting towards halftime actually, but they're 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 in that game at at the moment. The, right, they the are. Trailing. And Johnny's uh, been pretty good this year. So. Well, St. John's. It, when I say Butler's the fifth team out, St. John's is the fourth team. Yeah, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> so, that's a good battle for you know. That's a good win by whoever gets it. Not a bad loss by whoever yeah. gets. It. Uh, Matt, I've got the upcoming schedule here. I, I, th- I think we've got a couple interesting games this weekend too, with the Providence Creighton game, and your your Marquette team has a road test of the team that did beat UConn. Yeah, that's why like, <laughs> Providence Creighton. I'm interested to see because that's another one with Providence's athleticism and permanent pressure they could cause. I don't know Creighton doesn't like that, so even though that is in Omaha, uh, that's a place if you're looking for Providence to get a big one. I think Marquette and UConn should handle them. Even though I know that's a rival, the Providence UConn rivalry, but that's a place there. Yeah, we're conceding all that. Was it could be a little bit of a trap game, but that that UConn game is still a huge outlier performance out their season on the whole. To where like it's one of those first conference road game. UConn clinging got hurt during the game. It was fairly close when he went down, and that, that's whether they still might have lost anyway. But like, and that that's what puts if Marquette's going to be your one or even two seed, that's the type of game they need to win. Uh, well. Matt, we start with the Big East because you're a Big East guy. Joby, I think since you're here also, we go to your favorite conference. Of course, I'm talking the Mountain West, uh, which I want to skip. <laughs> I think you're going to start the show here tonight. But uh, with Matt, I, we decided to go to the Big East. But I really did want to feature, feature the Mountain West early in the show tonight uh, because of what happened uh, up at Gonzaga over the, on, on Friday night where San Diego State uh, went in there and Greek. They just look so good at Gonzaga, and they did. Well, uh, they and, and are maybe good. We're gonna have to talk about about Gonzaga's problems in a few minutes when we get to the West Coast. But what about this San Diego State team and this, uh, you know, at the moment now? Well, I mean, they are good. Uh, you're pulling up the profile. They they also had the win against St. Mary's. The win against Washington. I think that that's aging well. I, we'll get to Washington in a little bit. Uh, another team that might not have a tournament profile, but has perhaps shown that they are good enough to get the wins they need to, and they'll have the chances, but you, you know, their only losses, the, the loss at Grand Canyon is not a bad loss at all. I don't think Grand Canyon's going to lose at home. I, I think that it's a place that I, I think Grand Canyon's a team that's good enough to beat legit top 25 teams at home. They're, they're not a top 25 team themselves, but on their home court, a top 40 team can beat a top 25 team and BYU probably won't lose at home either. <laughs> so, I mean, no real shame in either of those losses. And you I do I mean, know that BYU now plays in the big 12. Yeah. Uh, BYU is <laughs> going to lose some home games. They're not, they're not beating Colorado. I'm sorry. sorry they're not beating Kansas, Kansas and Texas and well, you didn't Baylor me, and Houston you didn't all at home. Finish my thought. I'm like, BYU <laughs> wouldn't lose at home if they didn't play in the big 12. <laughs> The point I was trying to make. Okay. Well, 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 jo- Joby, well, they were the national runners up. Is it any surprise that they're good again? Joby, I saw a stat early today about the Mountain West, and I think I said, said emailed it around early, but the top six teams in this conference are undefeated against quad three and quad four. I know you should be, but the fact that all six of them did that and, went per- and got through non-conference play without an ugly loss, uh, doesn't that kind of – speak well for the Mountain West in terms of getting it's, a it, pile of They bids. did their job. They did their job on the gaming of the system stuff, which is actually really good. The uh, The problem the Mountain you West... You gave the system with it, but you still got to win the games. And they you got to win the games. Yeah. The, West, the, the difference, though, between this year's Mountain West and last year's is actually the second half of the conference. This happened last year. You know, New Mexico, Colorado State, uh, um, Boise, UNLV last year, uh, they were all floating in the above 70 range. And they, they have six teams doing that in the net right now that are quad one wins if you win at their place and only quad two uh, and quad two if you beat them, you know, at your place. That's great. That's going to be helpful. However, well, they got five year, of the top four. Last year, 
there were more, you didn't have a single team above 150 practically, except for, I think, Wyoming. And so you, you this year's the, the bottom half of the conference, now that they need to keep that, they don't need to, but in order to maintain five bids or whatever, you know, you want to throw out there, they need to make sure they keep clean among the bottom, you know, so to speak, and, uh, and pick off, you know, a Colorado state, you know, one another on the road here and there in order to clinch it. Is this a multiple bid league? Of course it is, but I don't think it's multiple white jerseys, you know, if it were. I, 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 I just think that the league is, it's, I, I, I don't think it's smoke and mirrors this year. I'm not saying that it's on par with the big East or like the big 10, but there are multiple probably four or five legit top 40 teams in this league. And, and I, I think that they've been proving, and I know Colorado state's the only one in the rankings, but I, I think Utah state's good. I think Nevada is good. I, I mean, I mean, in San Diego state, who we just got done talking about, these are all teams that can get, not just get inside the bubble, but get past the round of 64. And it wouldn't shock me. If, I don't think all, I, I'm not going to predict four teams into the second weekend, but I wouldn't be surprised to see more than one. This is a really tough league this year. Well, well Matt, and, and I think the one problem I see when I look at this league is some of these strength of schedules. And he, he mentioned like smoke and mirrors, but uh, I, I think I'd argue that Utah State may be the one team that is smoke and mirrors in this conference. Yeah, yeah they're doing amazingly well given that. And I'm not like, I wouldn't even call them out for a bad schedule because they return no one on their roster. Like, they, I'm sure if you put a, some two serum and Danny Sprinkle, he's like, there's no way I'm starting 13 and one, even against that schedule. So like that, I'm not going to put too much blame. Now I will say it's not going to help their at large case if they're right at the cut line, but it that's not all. One, like, like they had no expectations going in. Like you, you should schedule like that. Cause Hey, you, you don't want to do it to Paul and like you schedule above your depth and therefore you're going to win five games this year. Well, do you Utah think State this is the type of team that could lose at Wyoming on a yeah, game? Yeah, they do. Uh, I, I, I'm not as sold on Utah State. I, I yeah. try, but Colorado State, San Diego State, yeah, those are good. And I, did, I agree, Nevada's good, Greg's believe in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you look at these, well, I continue the strength of schedule argument. New Mexico's sitting there with a 320 strength of schedule, and Nevada, I'll pull up them up on the right here. They're sitting there with a 253 strength of schedule, although they have a couple things at the top of their resume that, that, New Mexico and Utah State don't have so yeah. with the TCU and, and the Washington Road win. And, and, and New Mexico, they were supposed to be good. They don't have that excuse at Utah State. Of, hey. Right. And they did lose at St. Mary's. And this was a team that was left out last year largely because of their strength of schedule. So you kind of do have to call them out too uh, for not doing it when it was the stated reason. And why won't New Mexico get out there and play anybody? It's not like they don't have the opportunities or people are going to avoid them. Oh, yeah. They, they're some, they'd be able to, I, I wouldn't buy that they can't get games excuse. They're modern yeah. West, big enough conference. Like that. <laughs> if you ask someone, whatever, like that had an open game late, late in the scheduling part of, part of it, say like March, April, they would have given them a game. Yeah. Or, or go to a tournament that has those games because they might actually be able to be invited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will mean, say anything in Vegas has like yeah. 20 tournaments over the holidays. It's not a far trip. Yeah. I will say in future years with the gazillion teams being at the power conferences, they'll be a little easier for them in the future. But yeah. Interesting game caught up later this evening. Uh, by the time most of you are watching this, it'll be final. It's not going to start for another hour here as we're recording this. New Mexico at Colorado State. Uh, as, we, as we get right into conference play, uh, Utah State already picked up a win tonight. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and the rest of the slate there. And it's actually, we've got a lot of interesting games here, including Col coming up this week, Colorado State at Utah State. That's uh, a big one, yeah. We've got Colorado State then at Boise State. So big week for Colorado State with these three games, actually. Uh, yeah. The circle. But let, let me, Joey, judge up over to the real conference for you, the ACC, <laughs> as, opposed to, as opposed to the Mountain West, uh, where I don't know that you really want to be discussing this conference, but I, I got to ask you, what the hell happened to Virginia on Saturday? I, I Just an absolute dismantling. I, you know, Griggs, I have a feeling that Virginia is going to be David Griggs' least favorite team this year because they got road problems. 
if you can't beat Notre Dame on the road, you're you're you got road problems. But you know, that's why Creighton did so well tonight. Georgetown's very tough to beat Catholic schools at their place. So it's you know, it's just the way it is. <laughs> um, so I give Creighton all the all the uh compliments in the world, but Virginia uh went on the break and they were hitting threes like they were going out. Isaac McNeely was number two in the country on both threes made and percentage. Think about that for a second. That's insane. That, yeah. That those stats don't exist anymore because you know he's gone cold. You know, as shooters sometimes get cold. And so as such groves has gotten cold. And so when you don't have the three hitting, Virginia's inside weakness starts to take over. The disappointing thing against Notre Dame was the defense, which has, even when they haven't played well, like even Memphis, the defense still played pretty well against Memphis. That was not a solid defensive performance, especially in the first half against the Irish. There should be, despite Virginia still being at this point in time, a, a tournament team uh, right now, the second half of the term, but they are clearly a tournament team right now. If they give more performances like they did against Notre Dame, that will change. Um, I, I just kind of want to throw this out there. This was one of three games, and we'll get to the other two, of course, that were just jaw-dropping, made no sense, not just the score of the game, or, or not just the result of the game, but the score. Uh, for them to go there and get boat raced, it, the one thing that you might want to ask uh, – should they drink less before going out and taking the floor when they go on the road? I, I mean, Virginia just looked <laughs> drunk in this game. Yeah, it was just an awful start. It started off a 20-point deficit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Virginia cut it to 10 at one point, and you're thinking, okay, maybe, and then, blam, it's 30. <laughs> it was like – it was a crazy game, and I think you're going to – the next game you'll hit, you know – you know, the Hokies were on the verge of looking like a tournament team. And there's your other score that just wakes decent team. They're NIT. They're not a tournament team. They're NIT level team. But come on, man, at home. I mean, yeah. you know, at home, you're, you're, or not at home, but I'm getting losing by 23 to wake. That's, that just shouldn't happen. So the Virginia schools generally did not have a good week. Yeah, Virginia Tech with, with the loss here, and and Florida State, who I thought we 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 kind of like with that early win in November over Colorado, uh, completely fallen off the face of the planet with a home loss to Lipscomb uh, in yeah. their last non-conference game. So it but, was, not, not, it was not a good good week for, for for these teams that were given a little bit of love to in the bubble. But um, Matt, let me let me throw back back to you here. Uh, is there anybody you saw anything good from out of the ACC this week? <laughs> Uh, it happened tonight for Carolina, one at Pitt, which I think for the ACC's case, if, if you want to have a protected seat or two, that's the type of way you want your top schools having. Uh, and our good friend John Titel has joined us. Uh, John, welcome. Uh, we actually did start, start the show off in the Big East, so uh, but let me throw it back to you, jump back to the Big East for two seconds since you're jumping in here, because I knew you just came from the Crane-Georgetown game, so any thoughts on that game uh, as you jump into the show? And then we'll go back into the ACC again. Sadly, I don't know if that game is worth two seconds of my time, but I'll give it a shot. Um, to be honest, uh, Creighton is a top 25 team. Georgetown is not, and they were <laughs> playing without their leading scorer, Jaden Epps, who has a right ankle injury in his day-to-day. They hung around. I think they were down four at halftime thanks to uh, 11 Creighton turnovers. And then Creighton scored almost 50 in the second half. Uh, Trey Alexander with a season I-25, and it was not that close. So uh, the upcoming Georgetown-DePaul game could be uh, – I, I don't know if I can stomach myself to even go, chat. I'm not telling you got to go, that's for certain. Uh, let's jump back over to the ACC as I'll pull up the upcoming schedule. Syracuse at Duke as we, is going on as we record this. But, uh, Griggs, I like this Clemson-Miami game tomorrow night. I, th I think that's one of the more interesting games this week. Yeah, I like it a lot. And is there anything that impressed me? Maybe not this past week because they were sort of like in holiday mode. But I think Clemson's one of the bigger surprises, not just in the conference, but maybe in all of college basketball. Um, I think that we thought they were a tournament team or that they might be. I, I don't think that we were expecting them to look like a protected seed. But right now, to date, they've looked as good as anyone in the league, and they might have looked they might have they might look the best out of the whole league. Uh probably the best team that Brad Brunell's held since he's gotten there. Uh, I'm glad they gave him another year and I bet they are too. 
Uh, and then uh, Miami, after after this game tomorrow night, has to go to Wake this weekend. And, and Joby, do, you know, now that Wake is 2-0, they've picked up a road win tonight at BC. Is it time to like, pay a little bit of attention to, to the Demon Deacons, uh, especially with this, this interesting game on Saturday? ACC this year has about, you know, it's like the Big East and has about four or five tournament teams. But the interesting thing about the ACC is they have a ton of, and I'll call them NIT teams. I mean, tons of them. I mean, Syracuse, Pitt, uh, Boston College, and Wake is, is, is NC State. And Wake, if the NIT were held today, all five would be there. Now, that's not saying, oh, that makes the conference so good. But it shows depth on the net. Look at those nets, you know. And so you're going to have a lot of teams in that top 75. And, you know, a team like Syracuse probably, because of who they're playing, as long as they play well, they'll probably climb into the top 75. So you're looking at uh, you're looking at good quality wins and in all honesty, frustrating wins because you could see a team like a Miami. Okay, let's say Miami doesn't beat Clemson. Miami goes out and then they beat Wake Forest and they beat NC State and they beat, you know, know, and you go, where's the tournament wins, Miami? But they'll still look good because they'll have a bunch of tier one and high tier two wins. So, you know. Let's let's jump over to the Big Twelve conference here. Um, as the it comes up, that BYU now plays in the conference that BYU does play in. They are after that twelve and one start, coming off of the win over over Wyoming this week. Uh, but Titel, I want to ask you because I'm sure you, you watched a little bit of of your Penn Quakers take on Houston and get and get plowed over the weekend. Uh, but <laughs> this Houston team now number one in the net, number one in the JMG, number one in the Cape Ken Palm, number one in the BPI. Uh, undefeated is this the best team in the nation despite what the voters think yes longest active win streak in the nation plus arguably or maybe inarguably the best defense in the nation and wins over utah and dayton and xavier and a&m it's hard to argue otherwise um easy cupcake with uh, west virginia at home saturday and then uh, the gauntlet starts with every single game left on their schedule in the top 100 thanks to a tough conference um, I think we're getting to the point where we need to discuss Kelvin Sampson as a Hall of Famer, maybe, and this team as a legit national champion uh, con- contestant, maybe, and when will they lose? Maybe at BYU on January 23rd, because BYU is a very tough place to play. Uh, I will just take one little yeah. issue here on the West Virginia as a cupcake. Uh, they they took Ohio State to overtime, and now that they have Raekwon Battle eligible and, and they got these guys eligible, I don't think West Virginia is the cupcake they were three weeks ago. That's fair. Uh, but all that said, I don't expect West Virginia to, to go to Houston and win the game either. So that's uh, – yeah. Uh, but uh, – sorry, Briggs, you had a comment on, on somebody else in the conference? I – well, I mean, well, who do we want to go to? I, I, w- I was just going to echo what he was saying about Houston. Okay. I don't think they're number one in the nation. Maybe not. Well, probably not in the nation or the conference, but holy crap, are they good? <laughs> yeah. And as you see, you know, the, the conference did just finish up all its non-conference play. So I think it's better to take a look at the upcoming schedule. Actually, a few more non-conference games going on. Uh, Baylor is currently clobbering Cornell. Uh, and uh, K-State is probably pounding. Actually, K-State, Chicago State's in it with K-State in the second half, so we'll keep an eye on that one as we Ooh. as we go through here. But uh, uh, not a good sign for this K-State team. But No, uh, no it is not. But, but Chad, 11 of the 14, 11 of the 14 are Tier 1, Top 75. 10 of the 14 are Top 50. That's just, you know, you lose a game, it's not a big deal when you lose to a Top 50 team. I mean, you can go, this is... This has the formula, as long as you don't get tripped up against West Virginia and Oklahoma State and to a lesser extent, K-State, as long you can you can afford to be like two or four games under 500 and still get a bid because guess what? To get to two or four games under 500, you've collected a lot of good wins on top of having very few bad losses. And we've uh, seen it before out yeah. of this conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Matt, I'll tell you the other t- team that I think is interesting here. This is Houston's first conference road game coming up over the weekend. This is Iowa State team. Uh, although they're not in the top 25 polls, the metrics love this team. And I know you're a big yeah. fan of, the, of some of these metrics. I love them. That, I, started, I actually saw a lot of the Iowa game. They were really impressive in that blow in Iowa off the court. It's an okay team, but that's probably NIT-ish level. Um, that's one. I think what is compared to past years, they're better offensively. 
of that. You got, yeah, I think Lipsy took a huge jump his freshman sophomore year. The kid from Wisconsin, I'm probably butcher his name, but Milana, uh, I'm with an M and that, but a great like three four hybrid shooter and that and that and a little deceptively athletic, which I was the, the white the white guy tag deceptively athletic, but yeah, his skill that I think complementing the great defense they still play, and that's why I think Iowa State might be a couple of notches better this year than the, even the last couple of teams that did some damage. I know the team two years ago went to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, How about that's, that? That's Milan uh, Momsilovic. Am I Titel? Am I, am I pronounced that right? You seem to be good at some of these names. Milan Momsilovic, which is Momsilovic. funny. Like okay. Omaha Bilyeu is supposed to be the great freshman guy, and instead it's the other guy. <laughs> Yeah, and how about that road record? Let's look at what this team talk about road kill. Undefeated on the road. Undefeated. I mean, not everybody quoted to Paul. The pollster is okay. West Virginia is undefeated on the road too. If you looked up, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna circle every single game on this Big Twelve schedule, like we would probably do all season, because I don't know that there's a single game. Uh, maybe that UCF Kansas State game. Other than that, I don't think there's a single game on there that that's not that's not a game that you should be paying attention to this week. Just when you look at how strong this conference is, uh, top to bottom. Um, but let's let's keep things rolling here and jump over to the SEC, uh, where again we're all, another conference we're finishing up non-conference play, and another conference where we still see uh, one of only three undefeated teams in the nation, uh, and that's this Ole Miss team and. Uh, Joby, are you a believer in this Ole Miss team? Well, yeah, I will let Matt say amen to this. Um, I usually don't get caught up in, like, the Kim bomb, the predictive metrics, but, God, those are awful. I mean, for a team that's undefeated. Well, okay. (laughs) It's because you also turn to SOS of 331. Pull up this profile, Chad. You know, they do – you know, they have gotten – a few wins of note. Um, Central Florida is actually a good win. Uh, the, the, I think that Central Florida lost. But Memphis is going to fall. Memphis, gonna fall Memphis is the big yeah. one. I mean, let's be honest. Memphis is awesome. That that Memphis's net is doesn't belie how good this team is. Memphis is a is a protected seed right now with their resume, no questions asked. And so forty's silly. You know that that that's why the nets can be kind of off. But the um, but yeah, Ole Miss. If they perform in the SEC, if they get to five hundred in the SEC without major stubbing of toes, they're going to be in the thick of it. However, I don't think they will. I think they will take their losses. They're you know they're the type of team. Who I think yeah, they could lose at home to Florida. You know who's fighting for a spot in the in in the tournament right now. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was the same place. Like I looked at the old Missy metrics even a little deeper, just because I know sometimes if you come in with no expectations, and that there's still, especially in Ken Palm, a little bit of the preseason bias baked in. But they started Ken Palm at 82, and they're 79 now. So basically, they basically played to par to Ken Palm's expectations. It's just instead of what probably should be like a 10 and three, nine and four record, it's 13 to 0. Yeah, and and they've got their. First conference game coming up this weekend, Titel, and they're at Tennessee. Uh, well, I, I don't expect them to win Titel, but 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 this Tennessee team is a good team. Uh, is, are they not? <laughs> yes. Uh, when your three losses are to Tier One A, uh, all by single digits, and you already have a couple scalps from the Big Ten on the left there, um, it's hard to say this, but I think an undefeated team is going to lose by double digits for their first loss of the season. Well, okay, something that somebody – I know that Tier 4, it's easy to overlook, but in this case, you have to look at it. Uh, Sweating out Detroit Mercy. Sweating out Cal. I I think they ended up winning by 10, but it was a close game. That right there is an indicator that maybe this is not a top 25 team. Detroit Mercy is dead last. They are the the centenary award winner. Right yeah. now, sweating out Sam here. Houston, who's normally good, but isn't one. this year. Yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, again, tier four is very easy to overlook, especially when you do what we do. At least I catch myself doing this. I don't go through tier four with a t- fine tooth comb. But w- if you do that in this case, there are indicators there that this Ole Miss team, am I a believer? No. I mean, I think they're better than what they, I think they're better than what I thought they were, but I don't think they're a tournament team. 
Well, well, how about a team that that that, that is a good team? Um, uh, well, for example, we've got this Kentucky team here. They've yes. got an interesting game at Florida coming up uh, this weekend. Real big. Sorry, Greg, you were going to. Well, yeah, no, I, I I like this Kentucky team a lot. I I think that what we often see out of Kentucky is what we're seeing this year to where they're not as good in November and December as what people expect, especially their own fans. Then they go into the Christmas holiday when there's no classes and no practice restrictions. And then they get through that. And then they're, they're playing like a top 10 well-oiled machine. And I think we've seen cases of that. I I think they go to Florida. Who's also really good and get the win. I, I think this Kentucky team is very good. And they're going to be – I think they're going to end the season better than they are now. And those are the two really interesting games this week, these games this week in the Ole Miss-Tennessee and the Kentucky-Florida game. There's a few others. Uh, Auburn-Arkansas. Arkansas has got to get their motors started. Uh, they do. And Mississippi State-South Carolina, Joby, is just a couple – especially the South Carolina team. That, right now. Right yeah. now, both those teams are in the tournament. Do I think they are – are they in March? We'll see. But their profiles right now, uh, this is a very – people aren't paying attention to that game, but they probably should because, you know, it is 12 and one versus 11 and two. And with better, I would dare say both of them have better overall resumes beside taking away the undefeated mark than the Ole Miss team we discussed. Let's jump over to the big 10 conference, which saw get, get back into conference play tonight already with Wisconsin, with a, a tough home win over Iowa and Purdue picked up an easy, fairly easy road win at Maryland this evening already. Uh, I believe there's another game, the Northwestern uh, game against somebody that's going on right now. Um, it's that they're Illinois. playing Illinois. Illinois. In right Illinois, now. the last I checked, Illinois was pretty far ahead. Okay. Uh, but, you know, first of all, uh, Titel, is it time to write off this Michigan team now they've dropped under 500 and lost at home to, to, to McNeese? I mean, they're a football school. I think we can all agree on that. But, yes, uh, it's almost inexcusable, although, as you can see, McNeese is not even Tier 4, Tier 3. They're Tier 2. They're they're very good this year, obviously. Um, Michigan has not cupcakes ahead, but three like teams outside the top 75. And so I think those are all winnable, frankly. Um, but after that, it is a tough road to hoe. So uh, I do not think this team will even sniff the NIT, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Matt, on the other hand, Purdue – and we know they lost to Northwestern earlier this year, but they looked really good on the road tonight at Maryland. Yeah, I was intrigued to see, like, why is the Northwestern game just a road blip? Hey, your first road game of the year. Plus, that place just seems to be a house of horrors for them. But now it looks like that turned out to be exciting. Northwestern's a little better than Maryland, but it's not a huge gulf of quality there. And they went to Maryland and comfortably won. So I think this is a case, I think, the side Purdue should go 17 and 3, 18 and 2, I think, in the Big Ten this year, especially because it's not. As I think it's strong at the top, or even there's not great depth outside of like the top eight or nine. So like, I don't see a ton of losses in Purdue and Big Ten play. I think they have their one, and, I'll, and you can kind of definitely on one hand, and I think with a couple fingers left over, how many more they get. Uh, Tina's going in the right direction, Joby. How about Michigan State uh, now? Won four yeah. in a row, including that nice win over over Indiana State in the the Magic Johnson Larry game. Bird yeah, rematch game. game. This was said uh, a couple weeks ago on this show, and I they've done nothing to disprove over the last uh, over the last few weeks since it was said. Michigan State reminds you of that typical team, and sometimes it is Michigan State that is preseason. Everybody's saying, "Oh, top top ten, top five, final four, you know, and then they just disappoint for the first part of the year. You know, Kentucky often is that team, and then you realize, oh. They're good after all. What we thought preseason, there's some, there was some there there. Um, I don't know if Michigan State is a Final Four contender, but they're most certainly they're they in the tournament with what they've done recently. They are now back in the tournament field, and they are clearly with the trajectory they have, looking to just improve up the seed line, up the seed line, up the seed line. Do not be surprised if by March that we are talking a protected seed about this team. That's, you know, they have the pieces. The pieces are finally playing together. And it's Tom Izzo's doing what Tom Izzo does. And Matt, I know you're you're kind of in the Illinois area, at least. Um, I want to mention this Illinois team, which surprisingly is, is taking it to Northwest as we record this, especially with the news that Terrence Shannon has been suspended for a uh, for, for criminal charges that, uh, you know, just 
sounds like it's absolutely awful what he's accused of doing if he is if he in fact did it. Yeah, I mean, I think it still may torpedo that season. And well, it definitely, if nothing else, it limits their upside come March twenty. But maybe the Big Ten is weak enough this year to where maybe hey, they still go like fourteen and six, get a pretty good season because their resume was excellent before this news. And I think they were my pick to finish second behind Purdue before this news hit. Now I actually probably wouldn't go to the other team to discuss Michigan State. But that's where, like they said, they might. They probably, I think they'll still be a tournament team, especially the Big Ten. I think they have enough overall other quality on the roster. Coleman Hawkins. And that Ty Rogers taking a nice step up year two. And that Marcus Damask, the SIU transfer. So I think, yeah, they have enough overall quality to make up for it to be, like I said, in the Big Ten. But that might become March, which again, similar story for Illinois, where they come into March as a high seed and don't go far. It might be that case this year where hey, they're like a three, four, five seed and maybe upset first or second round because your your best player got himself in trouble and you had to suspend him the second half of the season. Right. And, and here they are. They're at Purdue on Friday, which would be a lot more of a test to see exactly if this team has anything at all uh, without Shannon than, than tonight's home game, at least. Um, actually, that's a huge game there. Uh, clearly, the game to circle up coming this week. Other than Monday night, Titel, we've got Michigan and Washington. It's a different sport, though. <laughs> My question, is anybody going to be at the Penn State-Michigan game the night before? <laughs> uh, Penn State-Michigan game, that game is actually going to be played in the Palestra in Philadelphia. That's going to be a neutral court game. And, uh, I believe that is Penn State's home game, so uh, yeah. uh, that they, they moved over to Philadelphia. Yeah, I think – I didn't know that they had done this, but I think they play one home game in the Palestra every year, so – Interesting that this is the one they chose. Um, uh-huh. Some people are right, there. Well, you, you know, Michigan, okay. it's you, you kind of hate that this Penn State Michigan game is going to take so much away from the football game. Uh, I'll tell you another game that, that that may be a little bit interesting here. Uh, and uh, what about this Nebraska Wisconsin game on on Saturday? Just because this Nebraska team has had a little life, haven't they? Uh, a little, but. I, are you asking? Well, pull them up. I I think that how many of those wins? Yeah, nine of the eleven it's, at Michigan home. State's the vast majority good. home by games. They do have the win against Michigan State. I really like that win at K State. Um, I I don't know if I'm a believer yet, and I still think. Imagine where they would be had they not run off ten miles. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm sorry I went there, everybody. I really am, but. Uh... <laughs> But but I think we just got to move up, move over to the uh, to the Pac-12 conference here, uh, where, uh, yeah, Titel, I know you don't want to be talking Pac-12 hoops, but unfortunately, I got to th- I got to ask you, uh, what the heck? Again, this is another the what other one of the three. This was one of the three. Yeah. Arizona, I, I, I mean, it looked like they completely no showed Stanford. I think Stanford hit hit what about three hundred three pointers in that game too. <laughs> A little less, but uh, 16 out of 25, 64%, which uh, is good enough to win almost any game. Um, I was talking to somebody about this today online. So if you look at the Arizona schedule, which you don't have to, I kind of have it memorized, sadly. So the three losses, we've scored 84, 95, and 82, which is to say the offense is fine. And all three of those were not in the state of Arizona, which means we're fine in terms of it doesn't hurt as much to lose away from home. And the problem is the defense, obviously. When you allow... 92 points or more a game, we're 0-3. When we don't, we're 10-0. So as long as we can keep teams under 92, I really like our chances this year. Uh, I'll tell you what, you're under, you keep teams under 82 because every win, it's just so strange. You know, Matt, you're, you're a big metrics guy. Let me ask you about this. You see a team with the number seven defense of the nation that has three games where they gave up 92, 96, 100 points. Yeah, I think it's one of the part of the pace. I think those are all like well above 70 possession games, so it doesn't hurt the numbers as much. That said, the Stanford one giving up 100 to a, to a team that I think I'm sure Stanford's offense was not in the top 100 or 150 going into that game, that regardless of the pace of that game, you would have thought, hey, they would have kept Stanford to a point per possession or under, and that was clearly well above a point per possession given that they scored 100. Joe, can I ask you what happened? What's going wrong with two schools at the same time? Uh, what's oh going God. wrong in Southern in Southern California? Because that's, my, that's the big. Th- oh this was God. supposed to be both tournament teams this year. Look oh. at these profiles. I mean, it's awful. And, and yeah, USC losing Oregon State, who's 
they're back to being Oregon State. For, forget yeah. that. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, the, the, I don't. USC is a is a bunch of is a bunch of talented parts that are just parts, not a team. That's easy to it's easy to see what's wrong with USC. And who knows if the parts start playing, I give them, you know, maybe some chance at redemption. You know, watch out, Titel. This by, by, by winning the Pac-12 tournament because because well, no, no, but this is the sort of team that could randomly beat Arizona on a given day. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, they put it together for a day. UCLA, I don't understand. I mean, UCLA, I thought was coming into this year was just going to be a solid tournament team. I, I'm just scratched my head at this one. I I mean, you know, it's yeah, yeah. I I can't, I can't explain UCLA. (laughs) To be very honest, if someone has, it's in the problem UCLA has because I think they're more consistent than USC. The problem UCLA has is. I don't think they're the team that beats Arizona on a random day. And there aren't enough scouts. Utah's turned into a scout. Colorado's turned into a scout, I think. But there aren't enough tournament teams to get UCLA after so many missed opportunities out of conference. They had a strong out-of-conference schedule. Um, you know, hell, they play like five teams are in the tournament right now as we speak, five or six. But I don't – because they missed their opportunities, I don't think the Pac-12 – gives them the opportunities they need to get in the tournament. They'll finish with a winning record, I think, at the end of the day in the Pac-12, but it, it's not going to be enough. Yeah, Matt, NIT you, bound. It's one of these other NIT-type schools. Yeah, Matt, you look at this conference, Colorado and Utah both played well along with Arizona. I'm not sure if there's anything else left in here that, that that's done anything to, to impress me enough. I'm a couple mini scouts for like Washington, but not enough. What is it? I'm looking at especially if they could start getting healthy or gets holding enough water right now, where especially like if they play well into February, they put up a decent record, they might get a little credit to where, like, especially like they're like 21 and 10, but then they finish strong in February once they get some guys back here. If they get I, 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 I'd like to see, I'd like to see some wins in the top two tiers, and there's very limited chances, and f- including four of their next five games are, are they are the ones they got to win, aren't they? Yeah, but I, yeah, there, I I think that this is a really important stretch for starters. It's the rivalry. It's well, the Washington game anyway. Probably their bigger, probably one of their biggest rivals. But the Washington Wazoo, those are two teams that have played really well at home. I think we're gonna. I mean, it's sort of put up or but, shut but up. But you for the you follow, follow that up right afterwards after a Cal home game with the Colorado Utah road trip. It's it's yeah, right, it's right in front of them if if, if they want to it, it move. If they can win three but of the next five, I, I'm going to yeah. feel a lot better about them than I do right now. <laughs> You're right, Joby. It has to start now. It's not something they can wait till February to get hot on, unless they want to win the Pac-12 the, tournament. <laughs> how many games they win of those four, you know, of those four games, how many they win will depend if they need an Arizona win or not. That, that's really what it, the calculation is. If if they go one and three, they're going to have to beat Arizona. If they go two and two in that, then you know what? Then take care of business. Don't lose the cow. You know, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe they have a shot. And uh, not with us tonight, Rocco, but what about I mean, these are not easy games because you could say the same about Washington. It's a team that is better than their record. They went on a really brutal road trip. The Utah, Colorado lost both games, but were competitive in both. And you know, are they good enough? That that Oregon Washington game is a massively important pivotal game for both teams, and it's a rivalry game. That is a great game. Right, and don't forget we've got Colorado and and Utah going to Arizona and Arizona State this week. So there is yeah, there's a lot of good action. Pac-12 action, believe it or not, this week. Uh, let's keep things rolling to the third inexplicable game, and this may be the most inexplicable one of them all. Uh, Florida Atlantic. I, I, I don't get it. They go to Florida Gulf Coast. This is a Florida Gulf Coast game that team that, that the day the game before this, they played non D one Florida Memorial and needed overtime to win the game. And then FAU goes in and I get it. There's gonna be more Gulf Coast fans at at the Florida Atlantic game there are at the Florida Memorial game. But uh, what do you want to go? Matt, do you wanna discuss this FAU team? How the heck do you lose that game and struggle with East Carolina at home tonight after that? Well, that's the thing is, too, is now you also had the Bryant home loss to where 
I was especially with the other good work they did since that Friday game. I was basically willing to kind of overlook that to where, hey, that's a bad day. Now you add Gulf Coast to it, that's two very bad days. And now, now that's an anchor on your profile to where you just do what they're supposed to do those games. That's like a two or three seed. Now, like a six, maybe. And then it's so like. Awesome. I mean, yeah, like, this is this is one of the stranger profiles we're going to be looking at all season now. You have Joby, two tier four losses and all those great wins at the neutral, yeah, not, I, not row, but Arizona, wins. you know, just like with the Pac-12 schools, Fort Atlantic got their Arizona win. <laughs> you know, they got, you know, which, which boosts them. I think they're still, Matt, fighting for, because of that, along with A&M, along with Virginia Tech, um, along with the Butler team that we all like, the, you know, assuming Butler does perform to the level we think that, it, like Griggs thought, uh, thinks they can. Florida Atlantic still <laughs> can fight and find their way to a four, uh, to a four seat. I truly do. But you know what? You can't, you can't continue to do this. If you continue to do this, you can slide quickly. You can slide from a oh, you're fighting for a protected seed to pro- fighting for a spot in the tournament. If you rack up like three more of those, it's like okay. Well, Arizona was a fluke. Yeah, you know, at some point, yeah. then you start looking the other. Well, that was a fluke. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This go, strange, you know. Go back to the profile, Chad, and I, I'm going to state the obvious here. And it's like when Arizona hits a slide, or when you, you know Marquette hits a slide, it, you're sliding against top 50 teams usually if FAU hits a slide they're sliding against teams that are not going to be in the NIT the the margin for error is not there and they've already at, at, at least for this stretch all the way through yeah. the middle of February if they lose any of those any of them we're going to be like well now they've got three uh, mm-hmm. I got the, I got that Memphis profile on the left Titel I could put SMU on the, up on the left here. They, they haven't done anything good, but they haven't done anything bad. Is, is this a team that, that may have a shot at, at doing something with sitting there with a 47 net? Um, you know, not that far away from maybe doing something, especially with the road games at FAU and at MF is still ahead this season. Yes, but I think that they'll need to win some of those Memphis and FAU games. The JMG right. does not love them, and Joby, I assume that – if they lose to Memphis and FAU and win everything else, they're still not making the tournament, correct? I would I would say that that's accurate. I mean, yeah, they don't have a win. They would not have a single win against the tournament team. They their profile would look like that Davidson profile from a few years ago that you know that we debated. And Davidson did not make the tournament that year. So uh, here's the upcoming schedule: SMU at Memphis on Sunday. Uh, so if we're gonna you know say hey. Uh, they got to do something. Here's their chance coming up this weekend. It is, yeah. Uh, uh, they've got to play at. I'm sorry, Memphis is at Tulsa on Thursday before that. SMU is hosting Charlotte tonight. I hope they're winning. If after I just tried to, they are up uh, at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> after I just, after I just <laughs> them, tried to hype them up, they could they'd be, probably be down 20 right now at home, right? <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, we talked about San Diego State earlier and, and with their win at Gonzaga, but let's talk a little bit about the Zags team. Uh, because their name is Gonzaga, they are still in the top 25 polls. Uh, is this even a tournament profile really right now? And I pulled, I pulled oh, them up on the left. it looks worse than I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, Maybe dated, maybe. Like, that's what I – the predictive metrics still like them, and that's – I guess they've beaten their bad teams by enough to where they've kept decent part of there, but man, like they just haven't accomplished much yet. And they don't, there's not many opportunities this year with St. Mary's being a disappointment in that. I'm looking here. Okay, they, they do get at USF, so that helps to without that's another Kentucky. Kentucky, but I yes. I just think that's a that's a talent golf and you and I, I'm with you guys in Kentucky. By that time, I think Kentucky's be basically be a juggernaut. So unless they're like, oh, wait a minute, this is an off day from SEC play. We're going to take the day off. Kentucky and, beats them handily. USF keeps playing the potential. I think USF's net's going to drop with USF's schedule. Um, you know, it's just natural. Unless USF is beating Pacific by 30, then San Diego by 30, then Portland by 30, then it just na- – if they just – Beat like you would. Oh, you won by five. Congratulations. You win by five. Your net's going to take a hit by five. Uh, so. I'll tell you, the, the one thing that could really help for Gonzaga, as we record this, we're at halftime. Uh, Syracuse only down two at Duke. If Syracuse wins this game, 
that changes the Gonzaga profile a ton because that probably pushes that Syracuse win into quad one suddenly. It's like, uh, it's like <laughs> they need the LA Pac-12 schools to start playing to their potential to help their profile. Yeah, that, that well, did not help them that, that those two teams are so awful this year. As we okay, discussed. kind of an interesting question. And, well, Titel is is our bracket guru that's here. If you, if you pull up the Gonzaga profile again, and they win out Sands, Kentucky. Like, they don't win it, Rupp, but they win all the rest. Uh, are they inside the bubble? Because it would be interesting. I, they would presumably be ranked in the teens or higher if they do that. Not that they would deserve it, just based on how the rankings work. And, y- y- you know, the NABC advisory committee and all of that. I-, I still think the committee would select them if they run the table, despite the West Coast being weak and despite none of that really being even NIT quality. I would agree. And I think that Chad has it right there in red and green up top. Uh, as of today, the resume is not good. As of a couple months from now, the predictive predictive loves them. Um, I think that if they finish like 23 and five with the loss to Kentucky and maybe 23 and six, if they lose to St. Mary's in the WCC title game, I think this team is in. Yeah, and, and, and it'd be it, it, twenty-five. They get to the magic twenty-five number. They'd be twenty-five and six in that. Yeah. Uh, in, interesting. They're they're two tough WCC games. The two toughest games in conference play are their last two games of the season at San Fran at St. Mary's. Uh, they really need to basically not lose between now and the game in San Francisco, other than the Kentucky game. Uh, yeah. And, and, and which is funny to say for Gonzaga that they 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 can't suffer a strange Loyola Marymount loss this season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, they might yeah. not be good enough to avoid it. Then let's just we're talking about the resume and we should, but let's talk about who they actually are. Uh, you know, we can talk predictive metrics, but the most important predictive metric up there is actually the net, which is a predictive metric, and that's only a fifty-seven. Right. And and you know, I I think. They might not be good enough uh, to avoid the bad loss this year. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they are hosting Pepperdine in San Diego this week. Yeah. Uh, the one time in the Mark Few era where they finished uh, outside the bubble and seated below the first four, uh, they went to the Sweet 16 and lost in overtime to a Final Four team. So <laughs> they should have been that team in the Final Four that year, I think. Yeah, so they, they they give a resume like that this year. They might be. Uh, going to the Sweet 16 of the NIT. Yeah. Let's jump over to one final conference here, the Atlantic 10, which uh, actually had a pretty good week with a, with a bunch of wins, uh, which is what the conference needs if it wants to have enough weight to to push somebody inside the bubble. Uh, obviously, Griggs, I think that team that we're talking about to possibly push inside the bubble at this point may only be Dayton as, as a serious well, I, at-large contender. I, I think there's a second one, but uh, I think Joe's is also in that, that, that conversation if you want to pull the two of them up. Uh, uh, I, okay, go ahead. Well, Joe's, and, and again, we talk about it every week, that, that, that loss at home to Commerce smells incredibly foul. Uh, but the win at Villanova is good. I think the home win over Princeton is good. I, I think they've looked good on the court. I think they've looked better than most of the teams in the league that I think they can bloat out their record and that the league isn't great, but it isn't awful either. It's not quite, it's still above the level of an under the radar league. Um, so I think Joe's and Dayton, if anyone's going to play their way into it, um, it would be these two. Now, having said that to do that, you're, you're, you're talking 15 conference wins or more, uh, that that because I mean if you lose more than three I think I think that would knock out both these teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you what the Matt, especially on the St. Joe's team here, uh, I just don't think this team is good enough to win all these road games against the non-turn clearly non-turn team. You've got to win at UMass, at St. Bonaventure, at LaSalle, at Duquesne, at VCU. Yes, you do. I, I, I see, you are correct, Chad. I see too yeah. many losses there on the Joe's West. I think Dayton has a little more, more room for error to lose one or two of those games. Well, I think they do. I think Dade has more room for air. They're going to lose less often. I think, yeah. I think Dade wins the league comfortably. I don't think Joe, I think Joe's, they're one of those. I bet you we discuss them, but are probably like, say, like in the teams five through eight out, something where that range. I, I, I think I can see them ending up there, but not quite to where like Dade, I think, has a chance to even wear white in the first round. Yeah. I, 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 I they, just think they play the first, like, yeah. Yeah, I just think Dane has shown me that they can beat teams and beat teams on the road. 
St. Joe's told me that showed me that they could beat Villanova, but anybody in the city of Philadelphia could beat Philadelphia. So does that yeah. really count? <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Like you're talking about, you know, and looking at Joe's, Rhodey, St. Louis, they need both. I mean, not even a question. Then you got to, they really need to win their next six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I don't know if they win the next six. Are you starting to believe a little bit? Uh, I, I don't know, Joby. Is there anybody even pay attention to it? I mean, I mean. Besides, these teams are nine and three. The damn brats. The fighting. The the Bonnies have a decent net at sixty-five and a decent J and G at eighty. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's the question of if I. Yeah, the fact is, Joe's does have the nice win against Nova, and we all know that Nova's just weird this year against the yeah against the Big Five. But come on, that's still a really good nice win. Um, But. That leaves them the, – this conference just doesn't give you room for error if you aren't racking up major wins. Uh, Dayton, I agree with Matt, though. Dayton – and you can see it in their net. You know, uh, you know Pull up Dayton, Dayton is different in that they have been performing and they what, – what could help Dayton is St. John's winning that game. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, I think that adds up tier one. I, I think that adds yeah, up tier one. St. John's winning that game. Cincinnati playing well enough in the Big 12, getting some scalps to be talked about at least as a, on the bubble. Yeah, you know, SMU doing what SMU, we were talking about SMU doing. They need some help, uh, but I think they can get it. And yes, I think, I mean, they're, are you really going to blame them for a loss to Houston and a road loss to Northwestern? No. It's, it's if they lose at home to George Washington where you blame them. They can't right. do that. Right. And, and Joe's, Joe's, you also have the loss at College of Charleston. I get it. It's a good, decent Charleston team. It's not a, it's not a bubble, Cal. It's not an inside the bubble Charleston team. And you, they needed that win. Um, um, one other team to, to, to go to outside of the Atlantic 10. Uh, we know that Dayton has a game at Davidson and hosted UMass. But James Madison, still in the top 25, still undefeated, 13 0 here uh, with a. Big gate, big actually test by Sunbelt standards coming up at Louisiana. I know our good friend Rocco Mills is going to actually be at that game on Thursday uh, at the Cajun yes. Dome. Uh, but Titel, JMU, are you a believer yet, or are they just, is it one win and a bunch of nothing? Uh, strength of record number five, Chad, says that it is not just nothing. 5 and 0 on the road, 2 and 0 neutral. Um, I'm still not. I don't think it's a slam dunk that they sweep App State, but like I am all in on this team. Um, I don't think they're going to go undefeated because it's so hard to do, but um, I'm not seeing too many chances for them to sub their toe just because they are head and shoulders above everybody else on their schedule. Yeah, and here's the App State team that 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 is the second best team in the Sun Belt, but even them, uh, I got them on, on the right here. You know, they they coming off of a somewhat questionable loss to UNC Asheville there a couple week and a half ago or so. Um, I, I just don't think that they're going to, there's nothing more they can do here, Matt, to improve the profile. They just have to avoid bad losses. And other than App State, anything's going to be a bad loss. Yeah, that's a, the problem is, I think their main attractions are gaudy record. Every loss, like it feels like a, every loss is like two to three seed line loss. Like that's where... Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Two to three seed line. I, I think they. I, I think they could lose as many as three and still end up inside the bubble. Two plus the conference tournament. That is what you're saying. Y- yeah. Okay. And and Griggs, I I think both you and Matt are right because J and G has him as a five seed right now, undefeated. Yeah, you know, the key is yeah. undefeated. So you lose two to three, fall to that eight nine game, mm-hmm. fall to the you know the ten seed, then fall to the bubble the Dayton. I think that's exactly. How it is. I think three losses, especially with your Michigan State win, uh, I think you're in. Uh, And this is, yeah, when you live, I'm sorry, Joey, uh, I cut you off. Well, when you live in the under the radar world that that some of us live in, um, this is just one of the unfortunate pieces of it. It, But but it is the reality and the standard is the same. And it isn't, well, you, you know, why doesn't Arizona have to run the table or why doesn't Northwestern? Well, if James Madison loses three losses, they're t- you're talking about losing three lo- games to teams that are nowhere near the NIT. And, you, you know, simple as that. Uh, I, and I'll throw, there is, you still see the TBA up there on James Madison's schedule. That is a Mid-American Conference team. Another week or so, we may, we may find out actually which team they're playing, but it's not going to do anything to – it's going to be a home it game. It's not going to do anything it, to move the needle. Yeah, the Mid-America, it, it, it's sort of letting them down a little bit this year. That Normally, the top of that conference is – 
so you know really strong at least by under the radar standards but a lot of the teams that we thought would be really good out of that league uh not coming to fruition and if you want to hear more about that chad what can people do if you want to hear more about that, you could you could not watch this podcast. Now you can come back tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow after probably tomorrow early evening, we will have our under the radar podcast posted. We are going to be recording that tomorrow early evening. Later on in the evening tomorrow, we're going to be doing our first bracket rundown of the sh- show of the season. But I do want to move to final thoughts now that we've gone through all the teams. So, uh, uh, Titel, let me let you start things off here. So I'm going to give a shout-out to Max Asmus. Uh, I was not sure how he was going to adjust when moving from the Summit League at Oral Roberts to the Big 12 in Austin, but seems to be going just fine. He's averaging 17 points a game, just past J.J. Redick on New Year's Day, 2,784 career points. He's probably got at least 20 games left in his career, 18 regular season, one or more in the Big 12 tourney, one or more in the postseason. Um, even if his scoring drops off from 17 a game, He's well on pace to become the 12th player ever with 3,000 career points. And if he heats up or he gets to play several postseason games, keeping in mind in his four NCAA tourney games in his career, he's averaging 23 points a game. He's got a legit shot to become the sixth player ever with 3,200 points. Oh, I don't know. I, I was looking at his numbers that day. I don't know if 3,200 would be, be tough, but I'm thinking top 10 of all time. If, if he gets past uh, Keedron Clark, who right now three thousand fifty eight is number ten. Uh, that 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 might that's realistic, I think at least, which is impressive. Although he's done, he got six seasons, didn't he? Asmus. At least, <laughs> at least six seasons. Uh, maybe about twenty seasons. Seems like he's been out there forever. Uh, Matt. Uh, so I know we had a couple last week. We had to give a rest in peace, and I got to be the guy this week. It's close to home with Joey Meyer passing away, the former DePaul coach who. Like t- took over for his dad, was his dad's top recruiter, I think was a big influence on them starting the run in the late 70s up till the early 90s. DePaul was a legit top 25 program. I know it's impossible probably to believe now. But one time, yeah, they were a legit top 25 program, made some NCAA tournament runs, and then it fell off his feud with the public league in Chicago after they tightened admissions, and that just torpedoed the program. And I don't think they've ever fully recovered uh, there. But it's yeah, because I said he did a great job first as dad's assistant and then as the head guy. And then DePaul basketball, if there's any memory of them being good, it's because of the Meyer family. Uh, one of these days we're going to talk about DePaul as a good tournament team, but uh, a good good basketball team, but uh, it might not be this decade. Yeah. <laughs> Joby. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always uh, go back into the numbers. And uh, Chad, would you mind pulling up uh, two profiles for me re- real quick? Uh, our, fa- our Memphis Tigers. And our Alabama Crimson Tide. And so, and both of these are tournament teams uh, right now. Uh, But Alabama, eight and five, not really any great win out there, you know, but it's a good team. The losses are impressive, et cetera. But then they're, I'd like someone to explain to me how this eight and five team has a net of five. I, I, I just don't understand it. Meanwhile, Look at what Memphis has done. They beat Clemson, who only has one loss, I mind you, at a and yeah. VCU at VCU. Michigan, we know, Arkansas, Michigan, Missouri have been disappointed, but they're still decent. The only loss is Villanova, who's – and they're not a group of five teams, so you're allowed to lose to Villanova, and our, our big five team, and the, undefeated, and the undefeated Ole Miss Rebels. Wait a minute. They're 40th? I, you, this is where I think there's something off here. Yeah, well, because, I, I, yeah, I can kind of explain a little bit here, Joby, because I, I highlight here at Alabama the predictive metrics and, and the adjustive offensive defense. This team, the predictives love this team, and that's why the net loves and this, this is team. Why, and yeah, and the net tries to correlate, not always, but is probably closely because of efficiency, and Alabama is a perfect example of it. Is Ken Palm is probably your best guess on it, though they do a little bit of the one-loss record, uh, though not it didn't impact Alabama as much this year. But – this is where the reason I point these two teams out is because for the, all the viewers out there who try to seed teams based on, you know, based on the net, that's not how you do it. That's not how Titel does it. That's not how when I try to have the J&G do. It's not how you do it. Memphis is not a 10 seed. They're well, a top four well, seed. Uh, Joby, you know, Alabama's not a two seed. They're, they're, they're a 10 seed probably. And so to all the folks out there, don't get caught up in lists. 
take a profile, look at a profile, and then that's how you come to your conclusion. That's what the best like Titel do. And that's my public service announcement for the day. I, I, I just will throw this out there. You look at Alabama's losses. They're all single digit losses to great teams. Their wins are all blowouts. You look at Memphis. One of their losses was, was, was three points. The other loss was, was by what? 16. And then you look at some of their wins. You only beat Vanderbilt by two at home. You only beat Austin P by 11 at home. Uh, there is, and then your good wins even overtime. Are you going to really argue that Memphis is not a protected seed? No, no. I think based on resume, I like Memphis's resume better than Alabama. What I'm saying is I under I understand oh. what, what, mm-hmm. a little bit what, why the predictors lug this team so well, much. My, my point is people, some people don't only look at lists and only go by certain lists and say, oh, this Team X must be seeded higher than Team Y. And that is not the correct way. If you were doing a bracket, that's not how you do a bracket. That's yeah, not absolutely I, I how I do my bracket. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't look at things like road record or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, do you want to finish the show off? I'll put this pull this back down. Uh, real quick, um, the Atlantic 10, one of the things is that it just, for whatever reason, and, and I'm not going to speculate why they they didn't give the at least the top of the league itself a whole lot of chances at notable wins. St. Joe's did, but Dayton really didn't get those opportunities. Uh, when we looked at the Mountain West earlier, we kind of saw a little bit of the same thing. Um, I, Florida a, a Atlantic certainly did, but I want to see some sort of scheduling agreement between the four multi-bid leagues that aren't the Big East. That's the West Coast, the American the Atlantic 10 and the Mountain West to where you have a somewhat of a bracket buster type format where late in the year, everybody plays one home game and one road game against someone from one of those other conferences that is on their level. And how great would it be to see Joe's and Dayton going up against Nevada or Gonzaga or somebody like that late in the year? I, I like how Gonzaga has to have it thrown out of the elite elite teams down into the <laughs> Mountain West caliber teams because well, well they're in the West Coast <laughs> they probably but, wouldn't participate in, in no. something like that I, I don't think that they think they've fallen that far quite yet but yeah. on that note I do want to thank everyone for joining us as we mentioned a couple times earlier we'll be back tomorrow night with a couple more podcasts under the radar and a bracket rundown but for now on behalf of David Griggs Matt Sikowski John Titel and Joby Forsett I'm Chad Sherwood thanks for joining us. Talk to you again real soon.